0: An eye-opening, faith-strengthening edition of Abounding Grace is right around the corner. This is amazing grace. Maybe you're in the middle of a crisis and all hope seems to be lost. It's during those times that we can so easily panic and even want to give up, but that's the time we should look up and turn our eyes to the Lord. Today on Abounding Grace we'll take a look at a time in Elisha's life when a whole army was out to get him. Talk about a scary experience, but he had eyes to see that God was on his side and in control of the situation. Let's join Pastor Ed Taylor for this needed reminder that God is on our side too, as believers in Christ. Take your Bibles and open them to 2 Kings chapter 6
1: as we continue our study verse by verse through the book of 2 Kings, and you'll recall the last time we were together after miraculously retrieving that, last, that lost axe head Elisha is used again in the life of the king of Israel. You know, Elisha was a good man to have around. If you were interested in truth, and you were interested in the leading of God, then Elisha would have been a man you wanted to hang out with. Because isn't it true, and haven't you found it to be true personally, that what the Bible says, evil company corrupts good habits. You you can spend a lifetime of obedience and developing good habits and they can be lost in a short amount of time by hanging out with the wrong people, by being at the wrong places, by doing the wrong things. It's true for all of us. And when you find yourself hanging out with the wrong people in the wrong places doing the wrong things, you have a tendency at the same time to push people like Elisha out of your life because you get tired of hearing the truth, and you get tired of having to deal with a man that has no compromise in his life. And just being around a man with no compromise brings conviction into your life. And so you tire of the conviction, and you begin to find people that agree with you a little bit more, or don't speak the Word of God into you as much, or don't confront you or don't pray for you, or don't give you some kind of direction. But we need people like Elisha in our lives. And we need to be people like Elisha. We, as we see as example, want to be the kind of man that says, Elijah, what I've seen in your life is wonderful, but I want a double portion. I want to experience more than what I've seen in your life. I want to experience more of the work of God, not less I want to experience more open doors. I want to experience more miracles. I want to experience more help. And Elisha is a good man to have around if you like truth and the leading of God. If you don't like the truth, then you won't like Elisha. And if you don't like the truth, then you won't like the Bible. And if you don't like the truth, then you'll find yourself surrounded with people that don't like the truth as well. And it's a really a bummer at times when people aren't Liked simply because they're a man or a woman of God. Because you'll find that in your life, that the closer you get to Jesus, the more things get sorted out in your lives. The more you find, as you're perceived as an Elisha, not everybody likes Elishas in their lives. Not everybody wants a man of truth or a woman of truth. And it's good to be the kind of people that God will use in these last days no matter what the cost is because if, you, if, you really, if it really comes down to it, Elisha was God's servant. We use this phrase so frequently that I think it's lost its meaning. And I want to remind us, even though we'll use it many times, probably many times in our study today, he was a man of God. He was a man of God. He wasn't a man of the world. He wasn't a man of popularity. He wasn't a man of popular opinion. He was a man of God. He was a man devoted and dedicated to doing the things of God. He was a man that was devoted and dedicated to saying the words of God and to speak truth in the situation. And we're reminded, now I know we're in 2 Kings, hold your hand, hold your place there. Go over to Jeremiah chapter 18. Because Elisha was God's servant, he was God's instrument. He was to be used of God as God saw fit. And we're given an illustration in Jeremiah chapter 18 of God as the potter. And the potter was sitting there at the potter's wheel, working something in the clay. And so here's the illustration. The potter in this scripture is a picture of God. And the clay is a picture of people, you, in the potter's hand. And the wheel is a representative of life. And life can be like the potter's wheel, can it? It can spin and spin. It can take off and it can slow down and And life can just be spinning around, spinning around. You're like, well, slow down, Lord, slow down. But notice with me, Jeremiah chapter 18. Pick up in verse 1. A familiar passage, of course, but such a great one to be reminded of. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and I'll cause you to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was, making something at the wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter, so he made it again into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to make. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter, says the Lord? Look as the clay is in the potter's hands, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel." And so Jeremiah, in the midst of his serving and his ministry to a resistant, rebellious nation, is told to go down to this potter's house. And God is going to show him something. And he's going to hear something. And there is, there is in the potter's house, he notices the care and concern of the potter. He, he notices how the potter is making something very specific. Now, this would be a little scary as we look at this picture in light of our lives, if we didn't know the character of God, if we didn't understand who God was, that God is holy and loving and righteous, that he's faithful and sacrificial, the Bible says in Psalm 25, verse 10, that the paths of the Lord, all the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth. Psalm 19:9 9 says the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever, and the judgments of God are true and righteous altogether. In Psalm 119, it says, verse 76, let I pray your merciful kindness be for my comfort according to your word of your servant because God is love. We don't have to be afraid of the work of God in our lives. We don't have to be afraid of the spinning wheel and the pressure of the potter's hands when we begin to see what he's creating in us and it's not what we expected. God is in charge and he will and can do what he wants. The best response for us is to participate. And I like the word participate because everyone's like, yeah, I'll participate. The Bible word for participate is obey. The Bible word for participate is submit. But it sounds nicer when you say participate. you get an amen on that? Sure, I could part. I'll even get a participation award. Okay. Then let's let that be the obedience award and the submission award of all that God is doing in our lives. As you feel the potter, as he puts his hands into your life and he molds this and he shapes this and he's spinning around and spinning around and he's getting to the point where then finally he says in verse 4 that the clay was marred. It was broken. It was crushed. It's always a devastating time to experience the marring of life, to experience the difficulties of life, to experience the failures of life, the disappointments of life. There isn't any one of us that haven't experienced being marred, having to face conflict and hurt and pain. But therein lies the choice. Because as we all assent with our hearts and our minds to being marred, we may not read the rest of the verse and we must read the rest of the verse because it says, and don't miss this, you might need to circle this, you might need to underline it, put a star next to it however you want, but the vessel that he made your life and mine, the clay is us, he's making a vessel, he's developing us, making us into who he wants, into the image of Christ, but in the process, he, we were. the clay was marred where? In the hand of the potter. Everything's in the hand of the potter. The good, the bad. The nice, the mean. The pretty, the ugly. The the good words, the bad words. Everything is in the hand of the potter in our lives. And and we look at the marring of our lives and we say, oh God, we're ruined. It's over. It's done. And yet, not only we've marred in the potter's hand, but What does the rest of the verse say? So he made it again into another vessel as it seemed good for the potter to make. None of us have finished yet. The wheel's still spinning. Do you hear my voice? Yes or no? Wheel's still spinning. Are you still breathing? Wheel's still spinning. Even you guys that are asleep on me right now, when you wake up, we're going to tell you that the wheel's still spinning. On the unemployment line, the wheel's still spinning. At the mortuary, the wheel's still spinning. In the courthouse, the wheel's still spinning. In the basement, in the car, wherever you may be today, the wheel's still spinning and you're still in the potter's hands. And he's ready to make you again into a new vessel. Now, of course, if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with God, life's scary because you're not in the potter's hands. You can't just open the Bible. You can't just kind of live your own life and do your own thing and curse God and turn against God and speak all things against God. And then when times get tough, you open the Bible. Oh, this is so encouraging to me. This is so wonderful to me. I just, I'm so, no, no, no. It's a relationship that gets you the encouragement. It's the relationship and the the, the surrender and saying, no, God, I have been doing my own thing and I've marred my own life and I've I've done the things that I've wanted to do and you have to come to the conclusion that you have failed. You have sinned against a holy and a righteous God and he has provided for you the forgiveness of your sin if you will come to Jesus Christ and you will accept him into your life and live for him and not for yourself. Then this can encourage you. Until then... It's not an encouraging passage to those that have no relationship to the potter. God is still at work for you and me, but he wants us to be moldable and soft. He wants us to focus on the hand of the potter, not on the mar of our clay, of our lives. Because if a person has a response to the marring in their life with a stubborn and a hard heart, and they resist God's touch, then God has a right that he will exercise to deal with that stiff clay, to do what it takes to soften it up and remove the stubbornness. And so don't resist him. The Bible says in Micah chapter 6, verse 8, he has shown you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Come back to Second Kings now, because Elisha is the man that God is fashioning. Just like you're the man that God is fashioning. You're the woman that God is fashioning. You're the boy that God is fashioning. You're the girl. You're the husband. You're the wife. You're the single. You're the divorcee. You're the widower. You are the one that God is fashioning. You are in and I am in the potter's hand on the potter's wheel so that what he does with us is what pleases him. And let me tell you something, the closer you are in your relationship with God, the more you learn that what pleases God pleases you. Because you may respond to say, wait a minute, why is my only my life meant to please God? Well, because when you are deeper in relationship with someone, you come to find out that what pleases them pleases you. As a matter of fact, the deeper you get into relationship, you begin to only think about how to please someone else and not yourself. And so when God is doing something that pleases him, It also will please you and encourage you even through the marring and the breaking and the tearing. And this is the man that God is fashioning. We've been studying him now in verse 8 of chapter 6, another episode of Elisha. Now the king of Syria was making war against Israel and he took counsel with his servants saying, my camp will be in such and such a place. And the man of God sent to the king of Israel, saying, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are coming down there. And the king of Israel sent someone to the place of which the man of God had told him, and thus he warned him, and he was a watchful there, not once or twice. Not just once or twice. Verse 11. Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this thing, and he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? You know, he's like, is there a a mole here? How does he know everything? And then the answer, you got to chuckle at this, the sense of humor of God. I love it. One of his servants said, none of my Lord, O king, but Elisha the prophet who's in Israel tells the king the words that you speak in your bedroom. (laughs) Once again, God gives Elisha insight. And it's very detailed. This time it was on the ambushes that were set up in this war. Syria going after Israel. Going to set some ambushes up. And God gives Elisha direct insight of all these ambushes. And many times Elisha saves the king of Israel from these ambushes. It says not just once or twice. God is using him in their lives. And in verse 12, the answer answer was, there's no traitor among us, king of Syria. It's that guy Elisha. He knows even what's going on in the privacy of your own bedroom. There isn't anywhere you can leave. You You can't get anywhere away from Elisha, and really the God of Elisha, because he knows everything. You can't hide anything from him. And it was the intimacy that he had with God. He was surprised and shocked that God didn't reveal things to him. Remember, we looked at this before. I, I'm always amazed and shocked when God does reveal things to me, when he does give me insight. You know, we, recently a situation happened in my life as a pastor, as a leader, and I was shocked by it. I didn't know about it. And you know, when you get like that, you, don't you feel, don't, isn't the next feeling? Man, I should have known about that. Why didn't I know about that? Why did it come as such a great surprise? Well, that's Ed. Ed not Elisha, because <laughs> Elisha knew stuff that was going on in the privacy. He knew things. He didn't respond to things. God showed him things, and it just encourages me because I want God to show me things. I don't want to be so shocked, and, and I wasn't shocked because of sin in my life or anything. I wasn't walking. It's just God chose not to reveal it to me. It was part of his plan of fashioning and molding me that I would be shocked by this. It would surprise me, and I would have to go to the Lord with that shock and surprise and ask him, well, now what are you doing? Why did you allow it this way? You know I want to know, Lord. You know I want to be a good leader. You know I want to get a heads up. You know, and the Lord's going, well, I've got a lot more for you to know, son. And I submit to him. Notice verse 13. So he said, Go and see where he is, that I may send and get him. And it was told him, saying, Surely he's in Dothan. Therefore he sent horses and chariots and a great army there. And they came by night and surrounded the city. How many people are they going to get? One. And who does he send? A great army and horses and chariots. He sent the army. You know, the equivalent of today, you guys, of course, know this. It would be like sending tanks and a great army to go get this guy. This guy, Elisha. And we know someone was with him, it says in verse 15 when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? And he answered, Do not fear, for those that are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So impactful was Elisha's ministry that an army was sent to get him. And that's a pretty scary thing to face. If a, an army was sent to go get you, it's just like, oh, I'm take me. And that would be a scary thing to experience. And Elisha's servant is with him, and he sees the army coming for them. And I see his, his answer in verse 15 is he panicked. Now, let me just ask you, don't you think you would panic, yes or no? I hope you'd say yes, and none of you, oh no, I'll take on the army. No, no, come on now. Like, you're just, you're with the man of of God, you're seeing all kinds of crazy miracles, it's kind of fun, and now an army's coming after you. And he looks out at them, and what does he see? He sees the army. That's what he sees. With his physical eyes, he sees the army. If you and I were with Elisha and we looked out, you know what we would see? An army. That's what we would see, and we would respond accordingly. I don't know to what degree we'd be afraid or panicking, but we respond accordingly. And that's what the word "alas" it's it's a it's a strong word. We're in trouble. It's over. It's done. What shall we do? What is it that we do in those times? Because listen, church, there are those times in all of our lives when we think it's over. When all is lost, we are done. Forget about it. In the short time that I've walked with Jesus Christ, I can think of many, many times where I've come to that very conclusion in my walk with Jesus Christ. It's over. There's no hope for this situation. And someone might be sent into my life to speak a word of encouragement or speak a word of perspective, and I have an answer for everything. They say, no, you don't understand, and you don't get this, and you haven't seen this, and you don't, and and just... Responding to crisis, we can easily see the army and panic and give up because there are always those times in our lives. You might have experienced one today. You might be in the middle of one of weeks or months, and it just looks like everything's against you. Everyone's against you, and there's no way out. There's no escape. A careful study of the scriptures will lead you to see that this has happened to many of the men and women of God. I mean, how can we not remember Moses leading the nation of Israel out of Egypt into what was seemingly a trap? No way out. The Red Sea before them, hills and mountains on on the sides of them, the Egyptian army behind them. What? Where do we go? And you see over and over again the reality of facing difficulties in life. Someone comes to try to help and counsel you, but you quickly see and say, look, you're crazy. It's over. What do we do? What are we supposed to do? And what Elisha says in verse 16 is, do not fear. He speaks directly to the part of his flesh that's causing him to panic, to the part of his humanity. Don't fear because those that are with us are more than those who are with them. Which would lead me to believe, I think if I was the servant, I'd look around and going, well, who are you talking about? It's you and me, bro. I mean, I don't know. How are you hiding? And, and I would be assessing it. Army, Elisha. Army, Elisha. Like, well, who else? And looking, I mean, it's like... But Elisha is that steady. And you notice, well, who is, what is he called? He's a man of... God. He's a man of God. You men are men of God. You women are women of God. He is your protector. And what we learn here is that even though what we see and feel and assess is real,
0: it's not the whole story. Hey, thanks for joining us today for Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We're in the midst of a series that's based in 2 Kings. If you'd like to hear it again, go to CalvaryAurora.org. Another way to listen to Ed's teachings is through our mobile apps. Do a search for Calvary Aurora, and you'll notice both our church app and the Grace FM Colorado app. Thanks for your generous gifts to support Abounding Grace. Your donation will serve to help us bring these daily studies to your station and many others like it every day. We're consistently receiving wonderful reports from listeners of how God is using the program in their life. And when you support this ministry today with a gift of $25 or more, we'd like to send you Married and How to Stay That Way by Steve Carr. It will give you practical ways to resolve conflicts and stop them from reoccurring and help you understand the first steps to build a solid foundation, as well as give you a plan for building the relationship you're seeking. Get a copy today by calling 877-30-GRACE or turn to calvaryaurora.org on the web. That's 877 30 Three zero grace Glad you've taken time out for our study. We'll bring you more from Pastor Ed Taylor's study of 2 Kings next time on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. with Pastor Ed Taylor is brought to you by Calvary Church Colorado.